Today we get started on a new series called A Child is Born. And the countdown to Christmas is, well, it's officially on. I guess depending on who you are and where you work, depend, that depends on where you start counting. But uh, Advent is on. And I, I love Christmas. And I've learned over the years that to enjoy Christmas, you really have to prepare for it. When you get caught at the end, uh, it's lousy. So when we were when we were, when they were all younger, our three boys were really excited about Christmas, and, and getting the countdown started as soon as possible was energy in the house. Where's my chocolate advent calendar? You know, it's a little bit different now, the raw energy of Christmas enthusiasm. It, I'm not going to say it's diminished, it changes, but that practice of anticipation still helps to get me ready, and so um, I, thanks, Merlin and Finley and Griffin for helping me. You've helped me along the way to prepare like I want to prepare. And uh, we're going to try and do that again this year. And what better way to do that than to consider what it was like to anticipate that first Christmas, that very first one that they didn't know was coming. So quick question, kind of try and set the mood here a little bit. How many of you are pregnant right now? Right? Anyone expecting a baby or other invasive questions? Uh, let me just give you a heads up on uh, some of this stuff, okay? When you're expecting a baby, you need to think carefully, very, very carefully about a name. The naming process is important, and if you don't plan ahead, you're caught by it, and you're sort of in the headlights. And that's uh, why Cheryl and I, well, we can't have any more kids, we ran out of names. We had names picked, and we don't have any anymore, and so we're done. Uh, there are some limits and regulations on name choosing. If you don't know them, let me help you out with some of these. If you or your spouse has ever dated anyone, that name is off limits. From now until the end of time, it cannot be redeemed. If your parents or your parents-in-law ever knew someone who they didn't like or they didn't trust or they had a bad experience with or someone that they thought maybe was a little bit weird or odd or different. Well, that name is also off limits. And this process is important and it takes effort and it takes communication. It takes agreement, which is what we want in marriage anyway. So we had friends years ago that had a terrible time because they couldn't agree on how many syllables the baby's name was allowed to have. Back and forth with that one. You need to think through the first names for sure and the last names, and you got to do it carefully because if you don't, there are problems. Consider the man family that just happened to name their daughter Anita. Sweet way to go through life, right? Being known as Anita Man. Some other awkward names out there that you might want to write down just to avoid potential problems in the future. You need to avoid these. Eileen, right? Eileen, right? Lois, Price. There was one woman named Helen, and she married a guy whose last name was Back. Say it out loud. It's a great follow-up to our previous series, right? So side note, be careful when you're naming your kids, okay? In this series, we're going to look at four names, titles 
that were given to Jesus. And that, these names we can find, they're in an Old Testament prophecy given about 700 years before the birth of Christ. So, in a season where there was turmoil and there was darkness and there was hardship, the prophet Isaiah gifted by God, said this, Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, for to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And different translations um, word these a little differently. Some adds a comma, in our title for today, so you could read it as, He will be called Wonderful, comma, Counselor. And that wouldn't be a bad reading either. He will be called Wonderful. And that's what we've been trying to do through our singing, through our focusing time on Jesus, through our worship. We have been saying that He has shown Himself to be wonderful in our lives. He's made a difference. He's changed us. He has given us a reason to react in wonder and awe. It's an incredible reality that we could also read it that way, but today we're going to read it, use the prophetic title that Jesus was given, remove the comma, Wonderful Counselor. Two English words that come from two Hebrew words. Pele yachts. Pele. It means great soccer player. <laughs> not, not, not only that, uh, but if, if you didn't like that, why don't you just go ahead and give a call to Sandy Beach and, uh, or Eileen Wright, see if she can help you out with that. Pele means beyond understanding, uh, too wonderful for words. When Isaiah receives this prophecy, he's trying to describe the one day Savior of the world. God has given them in this picture. He's trying to put it into words. Jesus, he didn't have the words to describe him, so he starts. He uses a word that means ah, there's no words. There's no words great enough to describe to tell you just how great, how significant, how awesome this one who is coming will be. He's too wonderful for words. Yachts, to advise, to counsel, to guide. Uh, one day a child will be born wait for this, anticipate this. One day, a child will be born, a son will be given, and his name will be Peleyats, the wonderful counselor. He is God in the flesh, spirit made physical. He's the alpha and the omega. He's the beginning and the end, and yet all that, and he knows your name. He knows you, and he cares for you. He understands exactly what you are going through, even though it's not the same thing that the person beside you is going through. Therefore, he is to be called Wonderful Counselor. Hebrews chapter 4, starting at verse 15, For we do not have a high priest, Jesus, who was unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet without sin. 16, let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need today. There may be some of us here who, if we are honest, and we are encouraging honesty, if we are honest, could say, I am in a time of need. 
And if you are honestly in a place where you are not in a time of need today, learn these principles because your time of need will come. There is one who says, I am here to help. Will you let me help? Jesus, the wonderful counselor, He comes for the sick. When Jesus came, He came specifically for those who were sick and in need. There's a story about Jesus, and He's uh, meeting and talking with Matthew, and Matthew was a tax collector. And in our culture, that's not exactly something that's going to win you prize points, but in that culture, He would have been super, super unpopular. He would have been hated, despised. These tax collectors were corrupt. They, uh, they got rich directly off the people, and the people watched them get rich from them, and nobody liked them. Jesus calls Matthew specifically. He says, come, follow me. Be one of my followers. And Matthew was so pumped that he throws this great big party and invites all the people that he hangs with. So the wild tax collectors and other people who are well-known sinners, he says, come, I want you to meet Jesus with me. And so when the religious people, they, they hear about this, they're highly offended. They say, it's an outrage. Why would Jesus choose to be around or to hang out with this wild group of flagrant sinners? We're done with him. Let's cancel Jesus. And this is what Jesus said. Luke chapter 5, verse 31. Jesus answered them. It's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. You already know they're sick. 32, I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. And that's what he does. He is our wonderful counselor, and He comes for the sick. Where are you sick? Where do you hurt if you don't like the term sick? Because truthfully, we're all sick at one point or another. There's something going on, right? Just because of the temptation and the sin in this world, we're in a battle with weakness. We're in a battle with vulnerabilities. We're in a battle with strongholds, some of them we inherited, dysfunctions that we've found. And if we were to sit down, you and I, face to face and just have a conversation, maybe I could sense an area of your sickness. And, and, and maybe I could press you on it a little bit, talk to you about it. And some of you, you'd be all for it. Some of you would resist and say, you know what, don't go there. All right, leave me alone. I don't have a problem, all right? This is not a thing for me. It's not an issue. I'm fine. I'm fine. All right? Really? Really? Really I am. There's no problem. I'm fine. For some people, your sickness is, well, it's just obvious, and it can't be hidden. People all around can just see what makes you weak, and we think that makes us bad. It doesn't make us bad. It makes us weak, and it makes us sick. For many people, the holidays have a way of magnifying things and making the the good things look better and making the bad things look worse. They also tend to magnify our sicknesses. So I'd ask you again, where are you sick? Like so many people today, maybe, maybe you're depressed. You wonder how you're going to make it through another day. You don't want to tell people because they seem fine and you've got no hope. And tomorrow... How, how is tomorrow going to be any different? And, and you're locked in it. There's a depression. There's a, there's a sense of heaviness all around you. You sense the hopelessness. Others of you live in fear. You're always worried, stressed out. What's going to happen? Nothing 
is good enough because there's something to worry about. And you live in with, with this building, growing anxiety. You're sick and you're ill, and that's not necessarily bad. What about my grades? What about my boss? What about my relationships? Do I have a girlfriend? Do I have a boyfriend? Is it the right one? Will it be the one that lasts? Will anyone ever choose me? Will they like me? Will they love me? And right now, I just feel lonely. And you look around and you see happy people. They're in the pictures. They're on the social media. Couples in love. People chilling with their good friends. And you ask, why? Why can't I have that? Why do I have to do everything alone? I hate it. Where are you sick? We're all sick at different points in our life. Acknowledge yours. It is not a crime to be sick. It's certainly not a sin to tell the truth about where you are and how you're feeling in the midst of it all. Faking it doesn't make it better. Then remember the good news. There is a wonderful counselor. His name is Jesus, and He came for those who are sick. Your sickness does not disqualify you with Jesus. It actually qualifies you because He came on purpose for the sick. He came to bring hope to the hopeless. If you were hopeless, He came for you. But knowing that, how do we find healing with our wonderful counselor? And there's three things that I want to help you uh, take from this. The first one is to be brutally honest with the counselor. Why do I say that? Because truthfully, so many of us are not, right? There's a well-known story about this in the New Testament. Go back, you can read the whole story this week, okay? It's in John chapter 4. This story is about a woman who was like so many of us. She simply wanted to be loved and accepted. She needed it. She wanted it. She ran for it. She looked for it everywhere. And she thought, if I can just find, maybe you've said this, if I could just find the right person, then life will have meaning. We've talked numerous times about the right person myth. There is no right person. Unfortunately, she picked some bad guys, and she went from one man to another man to another man to another man to another man. She went through several men and then ended up giving up on marriage, apparently, because now she's shacking up with some guy. And one day, she goes out to get some water, and she met a guy named Jesus who was obviously incredibly different than the people she knew. She, Jesus was having a very serious conversation with her. It went deep quickly. And then Jesus asked her a question. And she, at that point, could have done what many of us do on a regular basis when asked a personal question. She could tell the truth. And she could have that conversation continue. Or she could tell a lie. She could deflect, shut that conversation down right away. John chapter 4, starting at verse 16, Jesus told her, Go, call your husband and come back. 17, I have no husband, she replied. And Jesus says, What you have said is true. You've had five husbands, and the man that you're living with now is not your husband. Because she was honest with him, Jesus continues in this dialogue, and they go back and forth, and, and, and he says, I am the living water. She came to the well for water. He says, I am the living water. I am what you have been searching for your entire life. 
that you could not find in these other places. Jesus was able to reveal to her who He is and who He should be in her life because she allowed herself to be brutally honest. Are you good at being honest? Do you you have much practice with it? Or is there always an explanation to go with it? Maybe your honesty with Jesus today needs to be almost that scary. Jesus, I have heard about you, but honestly, I don't really know that much about you. I've heard about you. I don't know you. And, and, and if you were good, I hope you're good, but I don't know. And I'm trying to pray. I prayed about something that was really important to me, and you didn't do what I thought that you should do. So now I say, where are you? Are you real? Does it matter? The faith that's trying to grow is rattled. You might need to be that honest. Just be honest about where it is that you know that you are sick. Ask yourself, why is it that we are so afraid just to admit out loud our weakness or our sickness? You're so scared right now of even thinking about saying that out loud. Do you think that there's someone that you're sitting near who doesn't have any sickness or weakness in them? Jesus, I need your help. I'm not enough all on my own. I need more than just me. Jesus, I, I, I could really use some help. Could you say that out loud? Jesus, I need your help. Psalm 55, 22, cast your cares on the Lord. He will sustain you. He will never let the righteous fall. Second thing. Listen to the counselor's voice. So, we're going to be honest. That's where we're going to start. Yes, I'm listening. I have to continue to listen to the counselor's voice. I'm honest. What happens after that? Why should we listen? Because God the Father Almighty gives us that direction. Jesus goes up on a mountain. He goes there with a couple of his buddies. and God does this amazing miracle. He transfigures Jesus into this a glow-in-the-dark, shiny, beautiful creature. And then on that same mountain, Moses and Elijah appear. And imagine, there's three disciples that are there, and they are going, dude, I have never seen anything like this in my life. Whoa! Let's make it special. Let's build an altar. Let's do it right now. Let's mark this spot. Let's all be on in this. We'll get a selfie together. This is going to be fantastic. What can I do? What do I need to do? What do you guys need? Whatever you need, I'm on it. I'm ready to help. Now, just as fast, Moses, the law, and Elijah, the prophets, appeared, and then they vanished. And then God spoke. What do you think God said when he had these three men, these disciples. He had their attention like he had never had it before. Mark chapter 9, verse 7, a voice came from the cloud. This is my son whom I love. Listen to him. There is no reason today to think that God would not be saying those very same words to you right now. Listen to Him. Listen to what He wants to say to you. You go, yeah, I'm not against listening, but how? How do I listen? How does He speak? How do I get this connection? He speaks in all kinds of different ways, right? We need to practice the listening. We need to practice that discerning His voice. He will speak to you through His Word. 
through the Bible. If you will seek Him, if you set out on this mission, you ask Him to be found, He says that He will be found if you search after Him. He may speak to you today through my words. He may take something that I say and make it important, something very specific to just you. He may speak through you by someone sitting next to you, someone that you already know. He may speak to you through someone tomorrow when you go back to school or when you go to work. They might not even know that they're doing it, but God speaks through them. He may speak to you on the way home as you're listening to a song, maybe. That's part of our Into One story, a song that you have heard maybe a hundred times. Suddenly, it's a different song. It takes on new meaning. It's special. It's deep. It's focused. It's for your moment. It's for your time right there. He may speak to you through a daily devotional that you read, that you focus on. If you listen, you can train yourself to hear His voice. He will reveal Himself to you. So when I'm in a crowded place, it doesn't come up as much like it used to, but a lot of kids around, my kids call me, I can recognize those voices. I can pick out their voices from the surrounding noises. I know them. You will learn to recognize the voice of that wonderful counselor as you practice, as you train yourself, as you discipline yourself to hear that voice. John chapter 10 Verse 27, my sheep listen to my voice. I know them, and they follow me. We listen, and then we follow. That's number three. We've got to do what the counselor tells us to do. What good is listening to him if you're not going to do what you just listened to? You've got to do what you were told even when you don't feel like it even when you don't want to, and even when you don't see why. You know why? Because Jesus will ask you to do many things that won't make sense to our natural minds in that moment. Why, God? Why would I do that? Talk to who? Why would I do that? You won't always know why. Why you need to do what you're asked, but you will be amazed as you look back to see how things work out. On kind of a regular basis, when uh, a couple, of, uh, a number of years ago, my parents liked to go out for breakfast on Saturday mornings, and I was not always a fan of it. Um, I'm not always a fan of breakfast in general, uh, and Saturday morning is the, the one morning where I can get up and start a little slower, uh, meander along. But there was this one Saturday, and I didn't want to go, and uh, I was tired. It had been a busy. We got a lot of things on, and I was not at all interested in eating. But I got this sense. I really need to go today. So we get there, and there's another couple there, uh, some grandparents that we've talked to a couple of times, and the only place we know them from is Saturday morning breakfast. It's the only place we've ever seen them. Don't know their names, right? And they come in, and they are all excited to see us. And they're so glad that they get to be near the pastor's family. And they, and they say that they have been looking forward to this moment for a long time, and I'm going, I don't know why. And we're all, they're, they're, they're like really excited, like too much excited. We're all going like, okay, great. And the lady sends the husband back into the car. And so he goes out, he comes back, and he's got this huge shopping bag, almost like a garbage bag. And he just, this is for you guys. And, and it, it's just stuffed with kids' clothes of various sizes, basically all of it brand new, most of it with the tags still on them. We thought that you might like these, and we wanted to do something nice for you. 
We've been thinking about you for a while, and it just seemed like we were supposed to do it. Amazing story when God works from both sides and brings people together. There's a story of a guy who didn't do what the wonderful counselor asked. He's a wealthy guy, very moral man, but someone who was very aware of his blessings, but also there's something missing. And he asks, what, what do I have to do to get into the kingdom of heaven? And Jesus tells him, well, you've got to follow the commandments. Mark 10, 20, teacher, he declared, all these things I have kept since I was a boy. No problem. 21, Jesus looked at him and loved him. Jesus looked at him and saw the guy's sickness at the same time. Like many of us, he was sick because he loved, he thought that he needed many material kinds of things to be happy, to be who he was. But Jesus didn't call him a loser. He didn't say get away from me. He looked at him. He saw the sickness. And in seeing the sickness, he loved him. He go, I want to set you free. But Jesus, because Jesus loved him, Jesus told him something that he didn't want to hear. But he did it because Jesus loved him. Jesus, because he loves you, might tell you something that you don't want to hear. And I don't know what it's going to be. It will be different for different people. But maybe the clear message is that you've got to break up with that person you're dating because, man, they are not good for you. And you don't want to hear it because you feel safe, you feel comfortable, you feel good right where you are. But everyone around can see that it's, it's ripping you apart. Maybe he'll say something to you because he loves you. Some of you are going to hear a clear voice telling you, be content with what you have. You might even need to go and sell some of your stuff to reduce the stress that stuff causes around you. He tells you because He loves you. Some of you have got a secret life going on, varying levels of addictions, and you'll never have the relationships or the marriage or the friendships that God wants you to have until you do what He tells you to do, but you don't want to do it. You got to come clean, confess and be real, be transparent, be vulnerable, bring your real self and stop faking. Story continues, Mark chapter 10, second half of verse 21. One thing you lack, he said, go, sell everything you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. It's the only time there's ever a reference made like that. Then come, follow me. Verse 22, at this the man's face fell, and he went away sad because he had great wealth. He was unwilling to obey the words of the wonderful counsel, the, the words that he had asked Jesus to speak. I don't know how to say this really uh, kind of any, any more passionately than we've been talking about even for the last year or so. If we don't live the way that we have been asked to live, then we live a joke. We will continue to live unfulfilled, unvictorious lives, and we will say stuff to each other like, you know what, God seems so distant from me. I'm having a hard time hearing from God. I don't know where God is. As we live a life that breaks the heart of God, when He speaks, do what He says to do. So here's the faith test. You want to see how your faith is doing? Will you do 
what God is asking you to do. I don't know what that is. The healing you need is in Jesus. He is the Son of God. He is the mighty God. He is the everlasting Father. He is the Prince of Peace, and He is our wonderful Counselor, a Counselor that is so great, there are not even words to describe Him. Peleots. Be honest with Him. Listen to Him. Do exactly what He asks you to do. Follow Him. Run after Him in earnest pursuit. Let yourself be found in all of the things that you really are, not that you pretended to be. Let Him be acknowledged by you in full honesty. He already knows. You didn't surprise Him. You just free yourself in being honest there. Kind Father, thank You for the way that You have come in pursuit of us. We speak regularly about trying to go in pursuit of You, and it's important for me to acknowledge once again that the truth is You come running after me. You consistently, continuously, gently, kindly come after me. There are so many places I, maybe we can acknowledge that we are not fully healthy. You already know them. Jesus, I need your help. Give us the freedom this week to say, Jesus, I need your help. And point out these places. We ask that, that you would give us guidance in what those places even are. And that as you speak, God, help us to listen. For some of us, it's been a while since we've been able to discern your, your voice. We got out of the habit. Things changed. We had this pandemic, God, and it really kind of messed up the way we do everything. And I don't know how exactly to get to where I want to go. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would give us the gift today or this week to hear from you. As we try, as we lean in, as we strain our ears, help us to hear from you. And then as we hear, give us the courage to do what you said to do. And we'll know it's your voice because it'll sound like you. It will be asking us to be things that you've already revealed to us. We will then look and smell like your Spirit. What you ask us to do will be filled with patience and kindness and grace, love, mercy, long-suffering. It so frequently will have something to do with the relationship that we are in, cleaning it up, dusting off a dirty edge, shaving down a rough corner, being vulnerable and honest. God, we ask that you would invade our relationships, that you would meet us where we are in these things that we long for most. As we count down to Christmas, as we count down to the celebration of you coming, help us to acknowledge the dark that we are in, that we might see your light more clearly. We look forward to watching for you show up this week, and probably in a way that we didn't anticipate. 
So my eyes are going to look for you. For my friends, I ask that you would show up for them the same, that you would tweak them even now to be listening and watching for you. Look forward to seeing you later, Jesus. Amen. You can stand with us. We're going to sing one last Christmas carol.